patriotism, faith, national unity, education, fiscal responsibility, civility, the values that define America. Fascinating stories and talks from America-loving patriots dedicate to preserving freedom, opportunity, and justice. Welcome to the Friends and Fellow Citizens Podcast. everyone and welcome to episode 96 of Friends and Fellow Citizens. I'm your host, Sherman Tylosky. Thank you all so much for joining me this week. Hope you're having a wonderful summer so far, enjoying the summer heat, going on vacations, whatever it is that you love to do. I hope you are taking this time to spend time with family and friends. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and get the latest notifications if you want to get your notifications via email, you can do so by subscribing to our email list. We've got some big news coming up this summer, and I hope that you'll be really excited as we approach the two-year mark of Friends and Fellow Citizens. Today's guest is Poppy McDonald. Poppy McDonald is the president of USA Facts, the nonpartisan, nonprofit civic initiative and source for well-visualized data on the American people and how we are doing as a nation, leading an effort to help Americans ground their democratic debate in facts. McDonald served as president and chief operating officer of Politico USA, National Journal's publisher and president, as well as chief revenue officer of Political Pro's executive director of business development, overseeing the launch of Politico's first paid subscription model, and as a partner at Gallup Incorporated, where she launched the World Poll and led the healthcare practice. McDonald began her career serving members of Congress representing her Pacific Northwest hometown on both the Senate and House sides of Capitol Hill and is happy to be back, enjoying Seattle and the surroundings with her husband and two children. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I am very happy to welcome Poppy McDonald to our podcast this week. Poppy, thank you so much for coming on to Friends and Fellow Citizens. Thank you so much for the invitation, Sherman, and I'm really excited to talk to you today. Well, thank you so much for your time. I know you have a very busy schedule. You have a lot of things going on, and I want to really start with uh, USA Facts, which is the kind of the cornerstone of the organization that you're now a part of. Um, and then we'll get a little bit in, in more about yourself and about how you got to that point. But just uh, give us an overview of USA Facts, a bit about its founding and its mission, and some of the work that you all are doing nowadays. Well, thank you for asking. So USA Facts, we are a nonpartisan not-for-profit civic organization that is dedicated to making government data accessible. We want to empower Americans with the facts. And so we bring together over 90,000 sources of government data, bring it on to our site at usafacts.org, and try to make it really easy for Americans to find data. And we think government data is a good place to start to understand how are we doing as a country by the numbers. And so we look at things like um, government finances. What are our sources of revenue? How are we spending those dollars? What are the outcomes uh, that are being driven? Um, are we getting better or are we getting worse across any issue you could think about? Healthcare, education, economy, environment, jobs, I mean, you name it, um, we have it at usafacts.org. And why do we do this? Well, it actually, we were started by Steve Ballmer, who is the former CEO of Microsoft. When he was leaving Microsoft, 
retiring after being CEO, he decided from a philanthropic perspective, he wanted to do more to help lift kids out of poverty, to give every kid a chance at the American dream. Uh, now, that has nothing to do with USA Vax. That's his <laughs> own philanthropic initiative. But it's the reason we got started. And that's because before Steve just started spending philanthropic dollars, he wanted to understand as a business guy, like, where does our country stand on this issue of poverty? He knew government had a number of programs to address it. He didn't want to duplicate efforts that were already working um, and that had good investment from government. He wanted to understand what the gaps were. And so a few folks on his finance team at Microsoft said, oh, hey, parting gift give us a couple weeks. I mean, they had been pu pulling data for Steve for his whole career at Microsoft. Give us a couple weeks, we'll get that for you. Six months later, they were finally able to provide Steve with a comprehensive picture, rolling up local, state, federal spending, and all the programs that exist, which cross multiple federal agencies, of what we are doing on poverty. And Steve said, this is crazy. If it takes six months for me to pull this information about a single topic, how hard must it be for our government leaders, who we would hope would be making data-driven decision by the numbers of, uh, is our country headed in the right or wrong direction? Or for a voter who is trying to make a decision of, you know, do I reelect this incumbent um, or not? And um, for uh, someone who's going to their PTA and trying to advocate for better schools, like how do they get that data? And he realized there's a big gap. Uh, data, government data is technically open and available to the public, but it's really hard to access. And so USAFAX at usafax.org, we just exist as a resource where citizens, government leaders, um, anyone can come to access data relevant to issues that they care about and understand by the numbers, are we headed in the right or wrong direction and inform their own judgments. Well, that's a wonderful introduction and uh, kudos to Mr. Balmer for having this vision. And obviously, as president of USA Facts, I'm sure that you look a lot back at the roots of USA Facts and see how you can advance that, how you can maintain, but also grow the importance of using facts to drive data and drive analysis and policymaking. And I guess it's really fitting with, with your uh, with your background, I will say one quick thing. You mentioned ha the purpose of using these facts. I'm going into a doctoral program, so I guess uh, I would add an addendum to that would be helping PhD students with, with their dissertations. <laughs> Absolutely. We want to help students at all levels, including PhD students. So certainly hope to be an, um, a website that, that you access to and um, have data that is, is relevant to you as you are uh, formulating your doctoral thesis. I'm sure my my dissertation committee will be very pleased to hear that. <laughs> um, all right. I want to now move on to a bit about you, Poppy. Uh, you have a very unique background, especially about your unique experience with Politico and with a little bit of Gallup, I think I recall, and obviously with Congress. So uh, tell us a bit about yourself and kind of that overall journey that you took and how that led you to your current position right now as president of USA Facts. Thank you for the question. So I do have this seemingly winding career. I will say the common thread is making information accessible to the public. So um, I went to school at the Claremont Colleges. When I graduated from Scripps College, I moved out to DC and Washington, DC and began my career on Capitol Hill. And what I was doing is really helping to answer questions for our constituents, for citizens. What is happening in Congress? 
what's legislation that's being passed and how does that impact me? And so I was really trying to translate what was happening in DC and make it relevant for, at that time, um, members from the Pacific Northwest, uh, where I was from. Um, And then from Capitol Hill, I went and worked at Gallup, which is, Gallup is a polling company, and I, I launched their World Poll product. And that was really focused on getting the same data and information across 190 countries once a year so that countries could be compared against one another and that we had like a consistent set of data to understand where do we stand um, individually as countries, but, you know, as a world uh, overall based on collecting data from the citizens of these countries. And then working at Politico, I was again focused on making information accessible about what was going on in Washington, D.C., in the halls of Capitol Hill and the White House and how that impacts American citizens and really getting uh, citizens in kind of behind the scenes um, to really understand what goes on in policymaking and how could that impact them. Um, And then, you know, fast forward to today and I came to USA Facts and I continue to carry on that belief that data and information about our government should be accessible to citizens. Um, And I felt like USA Facts, when I heard from Steve, hey, what I want to do is make government data accessible. Um, I thought, wow, that's really a differentiated offering. Um, I'm so proud of the work of Politico, um, but we were in a crowded media space where there was a lot of amazing information and content being provided. I didn't know about anyone who was making government data accessible. I thought that could not only benefit citizens, you know, citizens broadly, but media, lawmakers. I thought that there was a, a huge need, and I was really excited to come and uh, support the work of USA Facts. Excellent. I love how you went through that journey and you picked bits and pieces of different skills, and but you all you had that same thread of passion, which I really like because you know life kind of throws you in all different kinds of directions, but if you're still, still able to keep that basic philosophy of of giving people the facts, right? Just like just the facts, ma'am, as the as the as the quote goes. And this is a great transition to uh, the meat of our discussion, which is really the kind of the role and there's some of the challenges of uh, getting information but making it also accessible. And uh, you mentioned the crowded media space. I want to start with that. It seems like nowadays there's so many channels of consuming information, not just channels though, but people's ability to literally control what kind of information goes to their social media accounts or to their inbox. What can you say about some of those media challenges that are hindering the ability for people to get accurate data, but maybe not just accurate data, but having accurate data at the right time in the right place? Yeah, I think there's two interesting threads there. One is the challenge for media And then second is the challenge for Americans. And so maybe starting with the challenge for media in this fast paced news environment, as it is, you know, who can break the latest thing, who can publish first, pausing to stop, to ground that coverage in data and to understand the paint a picture of what's the context around that that data um, and to really help Americans understand it. That's challenging for people in media. I empathize. They're trying to move fast. As I mentioned, when Steve was trying to get relevant data, it took them six months. Uh, they don't have six months. Um, so I think getting 
ensuring that media also feels like they have a resource where they can go get the facts and understand the picture quickly is really important. And so USA Facts, we have established a number of relationships with media organizations who say, hey, will you partner with us because we want to ensure that our reporters are using data in their coverage. So we've partnered with organizations like US News, with PBS NewsHour, um, and we're really interested in, in helping and support the media. Then there's the Americans who are in this crowded information space. They are drinking from a fire hose of information, and it's often conflicting information. If you turn on Fox or MSNBC, or you're listening to the incumbent running for office versus the challenger, you're probably hearing two very different accounts of how we're doing as a country, right? Everything's going fantastic. Everything's awful. Um, and it's no wonder that trust is at a historic low in every major institution. And when it comes to misinformation, um, I know people get exasperated about like, oh, why are Americans sharing this misinformation? Why don't they fact check it? And frankly, right, I have a lot of empathy for Americans as well. In that case, it's like I am busy. I see something. It makes me concerned. I want to share it. Um, and again, if they wanted to pause to fact check it, Steve was trying to fact check uh, what's happening with poverty in America. It, is it getting better or worse? What are the programs? That, that took him six months. So I think there are two big opportunities. One, like the facts just need to be easy to access period. And that's a lot of what usafacts.org is trying to be, is that resource where you can very easily search and find relevant data based on a topic that you're passionate about. And second, I think trust is only going to be rebuilt when politicians, the media, and other sources really begin to ground in the facts. Of course, we understand uh, this is a country where we're going to have very different opinions about how we move the country forward, about how we change those numbers. But let's start and all agree, this is where we stand by the numbers. This is where the, we want the number to move. And then let's see what works. Like, let's see by the numbers, are we driving in the right direction or not? And and judge the merits of the policy that way, not based on um, am I in the political party that passed that legislation or um, you know, do I want to just shake things up? Um, but just did it work or not by the numbers? And I think there's a lot of opportunity there. It seems like we've really stepped off the 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 gas pedal on advancing more civil discourse. And while it's not directly related to maybe specifically media sources, although there is a connection, of course. But uh, I want to kind of go a little bit to the side here and ask you about how the ability or inability for Americans to engage in civil discourse. And what I mean by that is, you know, I see a lot of times, whether it's YouTube or whether it's some other source or whether it's a school campus, you know, they, there's a lot of, there's a lot for, for, for so many reasons, but the most concerning reason that I see for schools or for other companies banning certain speech is this idea of protecting people or like, you know, because people are too sensitive or too, you know, might be offended or something. What what sort of effects does that have on the ability for Americans to consume factual information, even though the vast majority of Americans are not associated with the far left or the far right? And yet it seems like when, when there's a cancellation of a very, very controversial speaker, it seems like the that debate on the facts and all that doesn't seem to advance. So is there anything you'd like to just comment on just like the role of free speech and in a society that should 
be focusing on consuming factual information? Yeah, I think that's a really good point. What when we choose our uh, sources or our preferences or the people we surround ourselves by, such that our the information becomes I don't know, an echo chamber or, or pretty limited. Um, how does that challenge us to think about moving forward or other solutions or other points of view and being open to that? Um, I think there's obviously the, the USA facts position, which is um, it's not about political party. We don't take positions. We don't advocate um, for any point of view. Um, so we would say, come to the data. No matter if you are think another person, is, their idea is crazy, come look and get grounded in the numbers and start a conversation. You, you can't like start a conversation in where do we stand by the numbers and then have a healthy, hearty debate. That's fine. Um, you know, and then I just say from a personal perspective, I find life is really boring being <laughs> surrounded by everyone who agrees <laughs> with you. It's way more interesting, right, to hear different points of view. So. I, you know, when I was in college, I would sign up for any speaker that um, I just thought would give me a, a new viewpoint or a different perspective. I love listening to talk radio that um, can be very extreme. I just want to hear what are the points of view? What are people saying? Um, what are the ideas out there? Because I think that just keeps my mind like engaged and helping to understand like different perspectives and what the issues are that people are talking about and how they approach them. Um, and I do think, frankly, like Washington, D.C. really got caught in a bubble when there was a lot of shock and surprise when Donald Trump was elected. And it showed a disconnect from um, what people were experiencing uh, in the country and, and the change that they felt needed to happen. And so I think um, staying open to to different points of view is really important. And, um, you know, that's, that's my personal view, but I'd say from a USA facts perspective, it's, um, access the facts and go follow the data. And who knows, maybe you'd be surprised at a policy that, um, you thought was awful that you never could have supported starts moving the number in a positive way. Um, and then, are, you know, are you open to that? Are you open to, um, a democracy that is data driven and, and makes decisions that, move us forward as a country um, and is less interested in in what party or political platform did that come from if if i were to be always with people who agree with me uh, i have jokingly say that it, it definitely would be boring because every single person thinks that they're the only ones who can say it best or they're the ones who can articulate the same viewpoint the best way so even if i have a bunch of yes men I'm always going to have the feeling like, well, this is boring because I'm the best, I'm the one who can best speak about issue A or issue B. So, um, yes, definitely surround oneself with interesting people. And I want to now turn to about the access to information for policymakers and lawmakers. Now, obviously, you, you yourself, Poppy, you've worked for members of Congress. So you certainly have a bit of uh, interest and a bit of experience with this end here. It seems like the policymaking process and the media environment we in, it's like it's like a race car, you know, racing against a horse buggy. You know, like there, one is going much faster than the other. So, uh, what is U what does USA Facts do, or what what is the role of USA Facts for this? It seems like this disconnect between the technology that we're in, the information technology world that we live in, and the slow moving 
policy making process. I say horse buggy. That's almost a compliment to Washington D.C. It's more like molasses. But uh, anyway, um, but in comparison to that molasses, slow moving policy making process, um, what what can USA Facts and really just access to information do to to at least make them a bit more parallel or more conjoined with one another to advance policy making nowadays? Yeah, that's interesting. So you're taking it from the perspective of is Congress moving fast enough? I think what we've thought about at, US, at USA Facts is does Congress have access to data to make informed, data-driven decisions that are in the best interest of our country? And we don't think Congress has access to that data. And we think that's just a fundamental problem. So in some ways, you could say even molasses is moving too fast if you're not making decisions based on data, based on nonpartisan factual information about are we headed in the right or wrong direction? What is in the best interest of our citizens? And not that you would know necessarily, is this policy going to move that number in the right direction? But you'd hope so. And then how does Congress follow that data to see did it work or not? Um, And so I think we have a lot of empathy for lawmakers too. They have really small staff. They also don't have um, a way to easily access government data. So USAFX wants to be a resource to elected leaders. We've gone and spent time up on Capitol Hill. We met with over 200 members of Congress um, pre-COVID when we went up to Capitol Hill. We're going back again next month. And what we did was we just brought data. We do an annual report on behalf of the United States of America. How are we doing as a country by the numbers um, across every major issue? And we walked members of Congress through that data. And I would say one of the most rewarding conversations was a bipartisan group of senators. It was uh, hosted by uh, Senator Romney, a Republican, and Senator Schumer, a Democrat. But a bipartisan group of senators came around a table and we started walking them through the data. This is what we're seeing in the government data. This is how we're trending. This is what we're doing as a country. And a conversation began where they said, hey, by the numbers, here's a challenge. What do we want to do about it? And did we think walking out of that room, kumbaya, Democrats and Republicans will all agree and and the same policy uh, decision will be obvious and and they'll pass it? No, we don't think the data prescribes um, what is the solution. But we think the data is a great starting point in recognizing challenges for our country, Democrats and Republicans being to being able to agree on that by the numbers and then policy and legislation being passed and then following it to see did it work or not by the numbers. And that's where we hope to be a resource to uh, to members of Congress, to our elected leaders. As you pointed out, there are limited staff and. There's the whole. We can try to have a whole conversation about staffing and all that in a, in another in another time. But one thing that also maybe concerns a lot of people, and this is not because of USA Facts or anything, but it's just um, it's dealing with the the political agenda and kind of the way that pol- really the energy and politics works, but particularly at a time of polarization and sensationalization. And what I'm what I'm concerned about, maybe some others are also concerned about. Um, is cherry picking, uh, cherry picking facts. You know, you might have a set of uh, two sets of data, or one set of data just sounds better for a group of constituents in a red red district or red state, whereas another set might just sound better for blue district because they can tout say, "Well, look at the data." So, uh, uh, what what can you just say about just generally how USA Facts or just any other any other person like yourself, one who really believes in 
you know, providing that accurate information, um, how can you play a role, essential role in not only you know understanding that members do have to get reelected and they have a base, but also you know not let the quote unquote the industry of of facts and all that you know get get in itself into polarized debates um, as as polarization continues to increase across uh, ideological lines across the country. Yes, I would say um, you're talking about um, elected leaders or others who are, who are cherry picking data. I would say um, I almost have more worry that they're not using data at all. And while I don't excuse it, I would say that, you know, it's not surprising sometimes that lacking access to data, you hear elected leaders relying on their conventional wisdom or an anecdote or their party platform or their gut instinct or like adjectives, right, to assess the state of our country and make decisions. Um, And you may hear as a constituent, maybe they are using data, but you, you're hearing something like, um, oh my gosh, the number of, you know, this thing is is doubling. Okay, well, wh- what does doubling mean? Was it 1% to 2%? Was it uh, 100 people to 200 people? Um, or is it truly a, you know, doubling the deficit or something, right? That, that, that would be like a big number that's hard to get your, your arms around. Um, and so I would just say when you're hearing either these adjectives to describe the state of the country or when you're hearing um, an anecdote to just to justify a position, I would look, go to the go to USAFX.org or go to another source you trust, um, get the data and the numbers, look at the context and then really um, hold your party leader, hold your elected leader accountable and say, hey, you you made that sound big when you said doubled, but if I'm looking at the numbers here, it was 1% to 2%. It was 50 to 100. Like, is it really as broadly um, challenging as you make it out to me? Uh, you know, I'm going to hold your feet to the fire. Or you say, you know, you've done all this stuff to improve education. I'm looking at the numbers. A third of kids in the eighth grade are proficient at math and reading. What what have you done? I haven't seen those numbers move. Tell me more about that, right? I would say root it back in the data so it's not personal. It's not that you don't agree with their political uh, platform or their political agenda. It's about the numbers to you. And I think having that grounding and that source where you can um, engage in the conversation and feel confident that you're coming from a place of facts and you're empowered with information, I think is a great place to start. Absolutely, I, I I think this is this is an area where you know hopefully you know even at the local and state government level you know they can also incorporate incorporate USA Facts incorporate this this fact finding mission as uh, as as often kind of thrown around. I want to now shift to more about how people, how Americans, ordinary Americans. Uh, I mean, I call myself an ordinary American because you know we. We, 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 as Americans, we all act as ordinary Americans one way or another. <laughs> um, but uh, one thing that I, I want to ask you about is really kind of the tie-in with civic education, because, you know, I'm assuming that, you know, you'll have data on things like inflation or on, you know, trade or something. And while it can be, oftentimes be simple rhetoric in D.C., not a lot of people have studied, obviously studied political science. So myself, I have studied political science in school. But I am also one to say that you know people. I'm. It, it certainly would not be be viable for me to say, oh, you have to study political science, or you have to you have to study or 
you know, have, have to get yourself all the time in the data to have a political opinion, because that obviously brings a disconnect with the voters. And my, my question to you is, given the fact that not everyone comes from a political background, how do you make the facts and data uh, readable, so to speak? And I, I don't mean that in a condescending way. I'm just saying everyone's got different reading levels, right? Like my reading level in, in, in physics is very, very different than in political science just because of my experience. But how yeah. do you make it accessible so that people of all different age groups or different affiliation consume the inf- information um, in the most most accurate way possible and that can one that can fit the mission of USA Facts? That's a really great question, Sherman. I mean, I think about when I first came to USA Facts, when Steve hired me, he said, I've brought all this data together in one place and citizens aren't using it. And what's the point? I spent tens of billions of dollars making this data accessible. And at the time, our products were at usafacts.org. It was basically a search bar, search for the data you want. It was an annual report that was 100 pages, very visual. We still produce it. I think it's fantastic, but it's it's a 100-page commitment. Um, And then we do a 10K on behalf of the U.S. government, um, and that is about 200 pages of very small table charts of all the the financial data you'd want to know uh, about the government. And I think that kind of transparency, that kind of detail-oriented and comprehensive reporting really differentiates USA Facts as a source you can come to. That said, I thought that was a pretty high bar to ask of citizens in terms of being approachable, being accessible. They may land on a search bar and say, I don't know what I'm looking for, right? I don't know if I even need government data. Um, And I don't have time yet for 100 pages. You're going to have to establish your credibility with me here first. And so a lot of what USA Facts has done is to think about how do we help translate this in a way to Americans that is accessible, that's that's easy to digest, that's understandable, not only at usafacts.org, but on platforms where they already are at. How do we bring the facts and the data to them? And so that has looked like us um, producing a weekly newsletter. Um, that's looked like us creating articles each week that are based on, hey, based on what's going on in the news, What would be interesting? What do we know from government data that would be helpful, that would provide context, that would shine a light that's not being currently covered um, in the the media? And then um, it also looks like we're on Instagram and TikTok and Facebook. And we just uh, recently launched uh, this within the last year on on TikTok. And we just did a video that was on uh, teacher pay. And we've had over 450,000 views in a week time period and over a thousand teachers commenting. Um, And when you think about an audience we'd love to reach with the facts, it is teachers for sure who we hope will bring this information to their students and let them know about USA Facts as a resource. So it's really looked at diversifying the platforms that we're on, the way we present information, I'll say like inflation, for example, that's huge in the news right now. We had a chart looking at consumer price index and, and the high you know, rise of that wasn't getting a lot of interaction. And we thought, well, that's surprising because that's what everyone's saying. That's their top issue. That's something people really care about. It would impact their lives. And then we thought about like, hmm, does a line chart showing CPI, consumer price index, does that actually present that in a relevant, understandable way to citizens. And then we started thinking about not really, but you know what what I've noticed is like when I go to the grocery store, this thing I'm buying costs twice as much. So how do we show products people use and what the 
consumer price index, what inflation is doing and how that's impacting families who are, who are purchasing their groceries. So just constantly thinking about how do we present government data that is relevant based on what's going on, but in an accessible way where people don't feel like it's um, eat your vegetables, eat your vegetables, right? <laughs> but wow, that's helpful. I hadn't realized that. I knew it felt more expensive when I was going to the grocery store, but I hadn't really understood that. Or I, it felt like fewer people in America are getting married. Um, oh, wow. I didn't realize there had been this like major change um, in the in the last decade in terms of uh, it went from people primarily, you know, being married to primarily people being single. Um, so really just trying to show trends that um, we may feel or, or things we may have a, a gut instinct about, but really rooting it back into the data and, and making it accessible. Exactly. And, and I, I appreciate the fact that you've used that example of inflation, because obviously, as you said, that's that's an issue that's hitting every single household. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think a lot of us can get away with eating fewer vegetables because of inflation. But anyway, that's a that's a whole that's a whole other conversation with my mom there. <laughs> Too funny. When I said eat your vegetables, I, I agree with your mom. And, and I also tell my kids eat your vegetables. But I meant we don't want to be that finger waggy sort of your facts, your facts, your facts, you got to have the facts, right? You eat your vegetables. Um, we don't want to make it feel like chore. Um, we want to make it feel like, um, I love doing this. This is cool. I love getting the facts. I love feeling empowered with information. And you know what? Um, eh, consuming my information as, as a line chart that feels a little vegetable-y, but consuming my information as a engaging visual, which, you know, shows how what I bought at the store is, uh, you know, impacting my wallet and how that's been changing. That's, that's more fun. Um, seven days of pie chart at Thanksgiving, seven days of pie chart at Thanksgiving time, or we just try to do things that are a little bit playful while sticking to just the facts. Gotcha. That's good. That's, that's, that's awesome. And same thing with vegetables, you know, if you put it, pair it with something else or a few other things that I like or someone else likes, it makes it a lot more enjoyable. And, uh, I'm still not a fan of the veggie monster though, when they introduced it, but anyway, um, so let's, uh, I want to also touch upon one other thing too, which is, and, and you kind of mentioned it when you were explaining how you were making these, you know, more accessible on social media because where people are already. And it points to the, the element of sensationalism because oftentimes there's a perception that facts are these numbers that no one in the world understands, you know, that kind of feeling like, like CPI, like I, if I, if I were not someone in a policy or political or economics class, I wouldn't know what CPI was. Um, and, and I think a lot of times one reason why people are disconnected from DC is because there's all these terms and it's like speaking a different language. You know, it's like, it's like someone speaking Swahili to me. I don't, I don't speak Swahili. I'm not, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying that I don't understand it. And, uh, and I want to ask you about how, how, how we can maybe change the, the perception that facts are just a bunch of data that no one knows what to do with where, and turning it into something that is not only useful for maybe dissertations or <laughs> reports and all that, which citizens can obviously be part of if they want to, but something that they can maybe bring to a, a simple coffee conversation with someone or at a, a local town hall. What, what sort, sort of things can we do to improve the perception of facts and data as information for use in our civics today? Yeah, that is a great question. And I love your ideas on this too, Sherman. I would say we've tried in a few ways to make the facts accessible. Um, in one way, when you think about um, more broadly, um, how 
Could I use data to engage in my town hall or to help understand uh, the state of my country? And um, we, for example, did a state of the union in numbers product, which is at usafacts.org. And it looks at what are the issues that are covered by the president and the state of the union, where no matter what president is in office, Republican or Democrat, they usually describe the state of the union as strong, stronger, never been stronger. And we said it's way more complicated than that. But if you look at our state of the union, um, it is not a, uh, you know, the president's speech would probably be a printed uh, 50 page, you know, speech that he, he gives for 90 minutes. Um, if you come to our state of the union, it's very visual. It's very few words. You can look at it by topic you care about education, healthcare, environment, energy, uh, jobs, um, and really look at, you know, by the numbers, how is our country doing? So that, that would be like one example of trying to make it really easy to access. We also try to make it a little more playful and fun. So for example, uh, Thanksgiving time, we thought about the fact that you've got Americans gathering with their family and you're going to have your uncle share some crazy conspiracy theory or, you know, your aunt coming from, you know, something um, that she heard from, you know, a neighbor that just doesn't make any sense with what you understand reality to be. And we said, you know, these issues are going to come up at your Thanksgiving table. You know, you're going to feel unprepared to respond. Here is your cheat sheet. Here's your, it's, it's like a bingo card um, and it, digital and, you know, name the topic. You just flip the card and we delivered a fact for you so that you could approach that conversation with your family, that Thanksgiving dinner conversation armed with facts. And that was something that uh, people really engaged with and enjoyed. And so we're always trying to think about how do we make the facts easier to digest how do we make that visual? How do we put the information you need at your fingertips? Um, and how do we make it um, a, a resource that is relevant based on um, what you're you're dealing with in your your day to day life? The the fact that uh, no pun intended here, but the the fact that uh, USA Facts is. Is, is so driven to that non-judgy sort of way of delivering information that I think is really impressive. And uh, it's it's true, especially in that kind of setting when you're with family that might disagree with you. You know, you don't want to be the one saying, hey, grandpa, no turkey for you, right? Yeah. You, you want to be as nice and cool as possible. And I, I, and I, I love those. I think everyone loves f fun facts, right? So that's kind of a good way to kickstart a conversation or to like, hey, did you know this? And well, that's great, Poppy. Um, I want to now turn to some of the some of the successes and some of the solutions or some of the things that we can think about to make facts more accessible. Obviously, you're doing a lot of great work, and I want to hone in on a, a a committee that I think is not getting as much attention as it should. It's completely bipartisan. It's one of the two committees, I believe, that is an equal number of Republicans and Democrats, the other one being the House Ethics Committee or the Senate the Ethics Committee as well. Um, but uh, this is the House Committee on uh, the Modernization of Congress or the House Modernization Committee for short. And Poppy, my understanding is that you played a bit of a role in their hearings or with their analysis. So uh, tell us about what your role was with that committee and maybe just any thoughts that you have about that committee and the role that people can play, not just legislators, but people can play in modernizing Congress, um, preserving maybe some traditions and all that, but also building something more robust than we have today. Yeah, so I'm so impressed with this House Select Committee on Modernization of Congress. They are thinking about how do we bring 
Congress into the modern age in terms of how we operate, whether that is breaking down these Republican Democrat silos. Um, if you most committees uh, in Congress, it's the Republicans sit on one side and the Democrats sit on one side. You show up to testify at this committee. It's all mixed up. Republicans, Democrats all sitting together. I mean, they are one committee trying to make progress. Why do they need to divide based on party lines, right? I think just small things like that. Um, and they invited me to testify in November because they were thinking about how should Congress be leveraging data to make decisions. And one thing that I talked to um, this bipartisan group, it's the committees led by Chairman Kilmer, who is a Washington state representative and uh, Vice Chair Timmons. Um, and they um, you know, wanted to know how could we do a better job um, do having evidence-based, data-based decision-making here? How do we leverage government data? And one of the things I talked to them about was um, when legislation is proposed, there is very specific requirement about you know scoring the bill where they have to go to the Congressional Budget Office and get a nonpartisan, unbiased estimate of what will this cost taxpayers? And based on the funding sources being proposed, will that cover it? And that is required as a piece of any uh, legislation that's going to move forward for a vote. And I said, why wouldn't you require that that same legislation say, what's the number you're trying? What's the, you know, the issue that you're trying to impact here? What is the number that best measures where we stand as a country? How are you trying to move it? And how will we measure if this worked or not? We think that would provide great guidance to state and local lawmakers who are trying to implement that legislation. Hey, what was intended? What were they trying to move here? What's our goalpost to measure if, if this is effective or not? Um, and we think, too, um, a challenge for this country is there are 90,000, 90,000 government entities in the United States, and there is no um, standardization about what data is collected, when it's reported, how it's reported. And this would be a great starting point for, hey, in order for us to know if this legislation worked, this is the kind of data we're going to use to measure it. We want to assure everyone's collecting it in the same way. And we're going to be following this data to see if the legislation was successful or not, if it drove us toward that number. And I got, you know, a lot of nodding heads and interest. And um, I just think this, you know, committee is just a really great starting point for thinking about how might Congress um, operate in, in a more modern way um, and uh, really position themselves to, you know, I think as you were talking about Sherman, um, uh, maybe get dust a little bit of that molasses off and, you know, really starting to um, uh, operate more um, confidently and effectively. I wholeheartedly agree. I think this is a good committee just for people to take a look at if they're interested, if they want to get some hope on, you know, through the noise that kind of goes around. And this is a much quieter, more civil, it seems like, sounds like more civil um, a conversation where uh, the kinds of hearings that they have. The other thing I was thinking about was also is information technology because of or with information technology within government because that too also can be a problem when you can't when you struggle to collect data, you're not going to get good data clearly. Um, is there are there any efforts on that end uh, that you know about or things that or just any thoughts you have about how information technology can lag? for government agencies and you know, what sort of things we can do about it besides just blaming on the bureaucracy, which as much as it, it is a, an issue, big issue, it's not the only issue. We need some kind of leadership or for something else. 
Yeah. I mean, some of the things that um, we've talked about is should Congress or should the federal government have a a resource, an agency, an entity, a chief data officer, where no matter if you're a Republican or Democrat, you would go to get access to data. I mean, you have the, the Library of Congress and under that arm, there's a Congressional Research Service and members of Congress can ask the Congressional Research Service, can you do research on this particular topic? Should they have a Congressional Data Office where they can say, I need data. And that same data is going to be provided no matter what political spectrum you're on. It's just an independent arm that helps provide relevant information to members. Um, so I think that's one opportunity. I think we have a big opportunity to standardize um, what data is being collected in local, state, federal government. I mean, here, Steve Ballmer has amazing resources. He's dedicated to this effort. But with 90,000 government entities, say we hired 90,000 people and said, go forth and get that data and bring it back to us. Um, at worst, we'd have a lot of information that just didn't map together. And when I think about how we understand, is our country moving forward? Where are their best practices that we could adopt? Who's doing really innovative, interesting things? And we're seeing it from the data that it's working. Um, if we have you know, mismatched data, garbage in, garbage out, right? It's not going to be particularly helpful in measuring how our country is serving citizens. So I think standardization about um, what data is being collected um, and, you know, are a couple of just uh, opportunities for, for people to think about. I mean, USA Facts is here to be that resource right now, but uh, long-term there are um, other countries in the world. Canada has a statistics agency and they're, that agency is responsible for being the holder of all public data and making it accessible. We don't have something like that in the United States. So the closest thing we have to it is USA Facts. I mean, the, the ones you mentioned, I'm really speaking about, you know, CRS, uh, CBO, and yeah. uh, GAO as well. It's also a great, great resource. Just given my experience, my limited experience in Congress, they're fantastic people. There's You can learn so much from the kinds of th kinds of things that they uh, they put together for members and for staffers. Now let's kind of turn into just a general question. And you know, we've obviously spoken a lot about uh, you know USA facts about dissemination of facts. You know, the the big worry, which is really the state of polarization, it just seems like nowadays you you turn almost anywhere and someone goes and says, "Well, those are the facts," or "These are my facts," or like. What do you mean, your facts? Uh, <laughs> I think we have something called an opinion for that, but all right. <laughs> so, but it, it seems like there's there there is a lot of division going on. I know it's not everywhere. Clearly, I've seen it myself where there is a lot more bipartisanship than what's being broadcast. Um, what sort of things do you want to see? Just in general, it doesn't have to be just about you say facts. But what sort of things do you want to see? Uh, moving forward on how Americans consume facts and how we use facts for proper civic engagement for the betterment of public policymaking and for the future of our country? Oh, that's a really important question. I would say it's important for Americans to start hearing consistent messages, consistent information. Um, and I do think starting with data is an important opportunity there. Imagine a presidential debate where it says, can we get, hey, I know you're 
running as a Republican and you're running as a Democrat and y'all probably won't agree on the solution, but can we all agree this is the cost of healthcare. This is where it's gone over the past 10 years. This is where um, the, the biggest health challenges are for our country. Now, what do you propose as solutions, right? Um, and if we could get start with agreement on, on the facts, um, if we turn on the facts in MSNBC and hear the same data points there, if we hear the incumbent and challenger using the same data, if we go to a town hall or um, we're talking to our neighbors and we're we're grounding in data. I think there's a real opportunity to start rebuilding trust and for people to say like, yeah, I know, of course, people disagree. I'm going to vote for the person whose solution sounds right to me. But uh, at the end of the day, I I feel trust because I'm hearing that um, I, I know where things stand as our country. I'm hearing a consistent set of data and information from people on all sides uh, of the issue. Um, so I think that is it rebuilding that trust, I think will help reduce voter apathy because I'm not surprised that people just kind of want to give up when they feel like everything they're hearing is a, a glaring contradiction. Um, so I think there's a lot of opportunity um, and I'm hopeful that um, people will get engaged when they start feeling like they are empowered with information that they, they trust. I feel like so much of education, a child's education or a person's education, uh, stems from home. And you know, while it's obviously important to learn in school and all that, but I feel I fear that there's a lot of bad behavior going on in our political arena where it seems like people are just not raised well. And maybe there's a role for 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 people in the household to learn the importance of you know, using accurate information, maybe practicing, you know, how to engage in a conversation with someone with that, maybe for that potentially crazy person or that potentially per that person who just, you know, have for whatever reason, just has a very, very radically different idea. Just in general, what are your kind of hopes and visions for USA Facts moving forward from its original conception and looking forward five, 10, 20 years, who, who knows, who knows to how long hope, hope it goes far? Yeah. So when I originally came to USA Facts and Steve said, I want to reach more Americans, our audience at the time that was in 2018 was 440,000. And today we reach over 20 million Americans. And are there parents in there? For sure. Um, so um, we talk about we want to reach all Americans, maybe not, you know, infant babies aren't quite ready to consume uh, data, but we think um, all Americans deserve to be empowered with the facts. So that's 331 million Americans. Uh, we're just reaching 20 million of them. So we still have a long way to go. Um, but we think about it as um, engaged citizens, people who already are um active uh, in their communities as a, a group that we think is um, important to reach. And parents certainly are usually fairly engaged in terms of what's happening in their kids' school, what's happening with crime, what's happening with the pandemic. Um, and so how we deliver relevant information based on what parents are navigating is certainly important. Um, and then, you know, we think about the government as a, another a key constituency. So um, we continue to, to expand kind of who we're reaching and how we're ensuring they have relevant data and information. As we think about USA Facts and our long-term priorities, there are really three things that we're focused on, more data, more accessible, and more consumed. And so when we think about more data, it's we want to be that definitive source for all government data so that when someone is saying, hmm, poverty, I wonder how that's going, or hmm, I really want to understand healthcare." 
rather than having them that individual having to go to multiple government sources, they should be able to just come to one place, USAFacts.org, and get that comprehensive picture. So more data, um, and that looks like continuing to collect local and state data, uh, more accessible. So really thinking about how we make our our site intuitive to navigate, really easy to search. Um, you may not, you may put in food stamps, but you know you may not know it's called TANF. Um, so how do we make sure that you're getting collected with government data and some of that jargon you talked about, Sherman, where you can find what you were actually looking for. Um, and then um, ensuring that we're really findable off platform. So if you're searching in Google or Bing, or um, if you're on a, a third party platform, how are we ensuring that we're delivering the data to you there? So you, you don't even have to come to our site. And then more consumed, um, our goal is uh, to keep reaching more Americans who are saying, who knew? Who knew a resource like that existed? I didn't know there was a usafacts.org and ensuring that they know that there is this free nonpartisan resource that is available uh, when they need it for uh, trusted information. Well said. I look, looking forward to learning more. And uh, I mean, when I was an infant, I was ready for facts, as you know, Poppy, right? I you were. <laughs> when I say I was born to do a, a, a PhD, I really meant it. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, well, okay. Infants, with the exception of Sherman, are, um, yes. <laughs> Just kidding, but anyway, it, that, that's great. I love love that vision uh, moving forward. And now for our final segment here, just really re-question. As you know, Poppy, you know this show is named after the first four words of Washington's farewell address, and we have some common principles that uh, we we constantly look back to, but we want to apply nowadays. And that's patriotism, faith, national unity, education, fiscal responsibility, civility. So out of these six, which one or which ones do you think are most relevant to our conversation today? I've been really just the work in general that uh, that you believe in and the future of providing accessible facts to more Americans than ever before. Oh, those are great ones. I mean, I would have to say patriotism national unity, civility. I would say everyone who works at USA Facts, I mean, we're patriots at our heart. Like We come to work here every day because we believe that empowering Americans with the facts, grounding decisions about our democracy in data um, will lead to a government that, that serves our citizens. Um, and so I think that's really important to, when I think about the patriotism and then um, national unity and, and unifying around, hey, we can all agree on, on something and that's um, moving America forward and, and let's ground in that data um, and uh, let's be civil, right? We may not agree on uh, the right solution, but um, let's start by agreeing on a starting point, which is where are we by the numbers? Um, so I think that's that's really important. We, um, I think Washington is super inspiring. Um, we often think about James Madison, who was the fourth president, and he said, a popular government without popular information or the means of acquiring it is but a prologue to a farce or a tragedy, or perhaps both. And I do think that inspires us to say, how can we ensure that there is the means to acquire popular information government data, which should be publicly accessible so that Americans have that that trusted source and that confidence to know how we're doing as a country. Really great answer. What are some quick links that people can click on and check out to learn more about USA Facts and what you're up to nowadays? Oh, thank you. USAFacts.org. You can sign up for our newsletter there. 
at USA Facts is our handle on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. Excellent. Uh, I, I, I'm sure if, uh, that's a, I love that quote from Madison. I haven't heard that in a while. And uh, I, I, I figured that he maybe, maybe he was kind of, kind of saying that to George the third. It's like, Hey, if you, if you knew the facts, maybe you wouldn't have to fight this American revolution. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, anyway, uh, the poppy, thank you so much for your time. I, I learned a lot from you and I, I really love the vision and the mission that you are on because you're, you're not just, I don't think you're just serving a customer base, right? Like just like any other business or, you know, they're nonprofit, uh, for 20 million and growing, but I think you're really serving generations because every single one of those people is, is going to be speaking to someone else, perhaps their child, perhaps some, you know, someone who is not, maybe not into politics and maybe that person can get more involved for the better, you know? And, but I think by giving that, that person or giving people a choice on that, on that ability to go into the civic arena with those tools of information. It, it really is a huge, huge tool. I think it's, I think it's very much that ability, to, that accessibility to facts as a nation. If we work together, um, I, I really think that could, that could really take us so far in the future. And Poppy, I really love, again, your background and what you bring, the value that you bring to the organization. And I hope that you will continue that that path because um, I th- lots of people need it. And it's uh, it's a very, very important part of, an important fabric, this idea of collecting information uh, and using it for the use of society. It's it, it it's probably a, a much more valuable resource than we, we all like to think. Uh, so thank you so much, Poppy. And it was a wonderful conversation today. Thank you, Sherman. It was so nice talking with you. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Make sure to check out the links down in the show notes below to learn more about USA Facts and Poppy's work. Enjoy the rest of your week. And remember, a day in America is always better when we are with our friends and fellow citizens.